level C5. Just say stuff. Mm -hmm. Stuff. Um, stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's really loud. Is it normally like that? Or? Are you looking at the level? Is that what you're looking at? Yeah, I just feel yeah. like when I talk, it goes almost. No, that's, that's how it is every time. Oh, okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. Uh, <coughs> Go ahead. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that puts Salagadula and Mechakabula together, only to realize that Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo was just okay. <laughs> my name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Hey, man. Um, so, today is Disney Plus Day. Yeah, uh, we're, sorry. Here. We're recording this on uh, November 12th. Uh, it's Disney Plus Day. I'm really excited. I can't wait to watch The Mandalorian, which is my first order of business when we're done recording. Um, yeah, so when we finish recording, that's my first order of business. Um, Are you able to? That's the big question. Are you able to actually watch it? Um, not right away. I have okay. like, a couple things. Like, a couple things I got to do. But Star well, Wars is beckoning. More, more from like a hardware <laughs> side. Like you're able to log into your Disney Plus account. Oh a lot yes. Of people are having I, trouble. With I that. did hear that. I actually I got up this morning and while I was getting ready for work, I opened up the laptop and tried logging into the Disney Plus account. I changed my password just for security's sake. Um, logged out, re-logged in to make sure the new password is working. Worked just fine. Oh, nice. Then I went to work, got home, fired it up on my Xbox, logged in just fine, fired it up on the laptop, fired, worked just fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just making sure it's ready to go. The app downloaded <laughs> just fine. Um, uh, my kid watched a Pixar short just to make sure everything was going, so yeah. we should be good. I was seeing stuff about all day long, like people were having trouble getting into Disney+, Plus, and people were like getting pretty upset about it online, I, but... One, I don't blame them, but two, at what point did anyone think that the sheer volume of people trying oh, to sign on at the same time... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but then there's also the part of me where I'm just like... Don't you people have jobs or school? Like, what are you doing? You like, know, <laughs> my job requires me to be on the road a lot during the day. Yeah. Um, when I say my job, I just went through a job change. So my old job required me to be out on the road a lot during the day, and my yeah. new job requires me to be on the road a lot during the day. And the amount of people driving around during normal work hours, I think, is kind of baffling because I think to myself, don't you people have jobs? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so there's that. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah. Anyway, um, we'll get to, we'll come back to Disney Plus. <laughs> For sure. But uh, watching and reading, did you check anything out? Um, I almost didn't have anything this week. Um, I haven't watched a lot since we last talked. But <clears throat> at work today, actually, we started watching this show because uh, the second season of it just came out. But not everybody in my office had seen the first season, so we started rewatching it. And that that show is uh, the end of the effing world, which is not what it. That's oh, like sure. the clean version of it. Have you watched this show at all? Uh, no. This is uh, I believe a Netflix original series. And it's a uh, British show, and it's the show that I never had an interest in watching it because one thing that Netflix does really bad is its descriptions for its shows. So you're like browsing Netflix, and their descriptions not only, are either not only that, but their previews. Like if you highlight a show, and you watch like because if you hold if you basically highlight a show and sit there for just a, like a yeah. couple seconds, they'll run like a trailer or like a mini preview. There are so many shows that I've watched on Netflix that are really good that that preview does nothing for the show <laughs> and would have totally steered me away. But yeah, no, that's true. And, like, a lot of their descriptions are very, like, they give 
the bare minimum of, of details about the show, and it's really frustrating for me. And this is another example where you read the description while you're browsing Netflix for the end of the effing world, and you think that they make it sound like it's a show about two like teenagers who... Uh, I guess decide to go rebel and run away, which that's a, at the core of it. I guess that's what the show is about. But when you start watching the show, it's way, way more than that. It's way more effed up. It's way more interesting because I thought this was going to be kind of like a cutesy, like faux indie sort of vibe to it. But it's actually like really weird. Like uh, the very beginning of the show, the main character describes how he thinks he's a psychopath and then he talks about how he never feels anything, and he has been, like, since he was a young child, he's been, like, killing small woodland, woodland animals and stuff just to make himself... Like, he's a sociopath. Like, he's sure. trying to, you know, he's, like, trying to feel something, and nothing's causing him to do that, and how he plans to kill a person. And that's how the show starts out. And I'm like, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And then from there, it, like he ends up meeting up with a girl and they run away and it's kind of like a really weird odd couple but it ends up being kind of like this really interesting like so it's the odd couple it's well, the <laughs> well, well it, ha it has that sort of like indie movie like teens run away vibe but it also has like this cool like crime drama aspect to it as well and uh it's just kind of like, I was really intrigued by it. It's something that I watched at work, so I need to go back and probably rewatch just to catch all the details. But I was pleasantly surprised by this one. Like, I definitely recommend checking it out. It's one of those things where that each episode's like 20 minutes long, so you could watch one episode and you're going to know if it's your kind of show or not. So you've, you've got nothing to lose, but I thought it was really cool nice. from what okay. I saw. So. Very cool. Well, um, I have not watched anything. <laughs> new nice. that is okay um i just been keeping up with my regular shows um just trying to keep the dvr clear because um we're getting closer to the crisis crossover event mm -hmm. uh on the cw and i don't want to fall behind because these are the final episodes of arrow and the things going on on arrow right now more than the other shows are all leading to the crisis crossover um so there's some major stuff that has happened as we get closer and it's getting really in interesting, but I don't want to like be behind on one at that time uh, <laughs> yeah. at the time that it hits and then mm -hmm. go, crap, I need to catch up before I watch this. You know, mm -hmm. um, the, uh, what's interesting though is all the shows, m the majority of the shows that I watch are all on break today. Yeah. And I can only assume that all those shows that I watch are smart enough to realize Everyone's going to be glued to Disney Plus on the 12th. You know, I didn't think of that because I did see like Arrow and The Flash aren't airing yeah. an episode and stuff. I never thought of the Disney Plus. The other shows okay. that I watch on Tuesdays are all on break for one week. And I'm assuming it's because they're like, everyone's going to be focused on Disney Plus and watching The Mandalorian <laughs> and, you know, watching the high school yeah. musical show. <laughs> um, because we know that's on everyone's yeah. foremost like jump. Because I feel like when you log into Disney Plus, the first thing you see is The Mandalorian. Before really? you see anything else, it's the first thing. And I guarantee that they were looking at it going, look, our platform's going to sell itself because of the content. Yeah. But this is the this is the flagship launch title. Mm -hmm. You know, that's basically what I think is going on. And I think everyone just knows everyone's going to flock to it and you know, <laughs> not want to watch anything else. Um, so, 
Yeah. Um, so that's, I've just been keeping up with my shows getting to this point. I just thought it was interesting that they're taking the week off. Yeah, it is very interesting. It's, um, you talking about that, it actually made me surprised, um, did you hear about how Gargoyles is trending right now? Yeah, do you know why Gargoyles is trending? Because it's on Disney+. It's on Plus. Disney+. Plus. <laughs> it's just funny. That's It's cool because Gargoyles, like, I liked that show a lot, and it's, like, this cool, like, dark animated kids series from, like, the 90s when I was, like, a little kid that's, like, now popular again all of a sudden because of this uh, platform, and it's, like, really exciting because I'd love to see maybe they can make some Gargoyles spinoffs or, you know, they could do some right. cool stuff with it, so... Um, well, one thing we did watch before we started was the new Sonic trailer. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's talk about this for a second. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog trailer comes out. We talked about it a while back when the trailer released. Everyone was panicking about the look of Sonic because <laughs> yeah. his eyes were too small and he had teeth and everyone said he looked freaky with the teeth. And <laughs> So the internet went into a massive uproar and the new Sonic trailer came out and Sonic's physical design has been completely revamped yeah what do you think i mean it's one of those things where i don't know if the trailer grabbed me particularly but i think i'm really impressed like the new design for sonic i like a lot better and i'm really impressed that they actually <coughs> were able to redo this whole thing like i saw one of the artists involved in the uh, film said on twitter i think i mean i guess it had to have been earlier today but he was saying they literally redesigned him from the ground up and they were somehow able to pull it off and make it look as good as it does and it's like i'm just really impressed by that because when they said they were going to redesign sonic before the movie released i was like there's no way that's even possible is it you know with making it look good at least so i don't know i mean what what are your thoughts on the whole sonic thing so i think he definitely looks way better mm -hmm. um First off, adjusting the eyes, it looks way more like the character from the video game. Taking the teeth away, honestly, the teeth didn't really bother me that much. <laughs> but taking the teeth away, I get it. Um, he definitely, he just looks more like the character from the video game yeah. than trying to make him look realistic. My thoughts on this, however, are this is a perfect example of the internet getting its way yeah. and forcing a studio to do something. Hey, Warner Brothers, uh... Get a little closer to the mic. Release the Snyder Cut. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. The internet wants to get its way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's what I took from that. Seriously. And I was like, okay, this is a situation where the internet has gone in complete uproar. Give us this thing. They, the internet wins. The internet, technically, if you think about it, these studios shouldn't be bowing down to trolls on the internet. But if the internet's going to win in this fa fashion, why... To some of these other things get, you know, shoved under the carpet, like the Snyder Cut of Justice League. You know what I mean? That's what right. went through my head when I saw that this happened. Yeah. So. I think, um, I don't know, I kind of hope that maybe the studio, and I can't even remember what movie studio is releasing Sonic, but maybe they realized that there's something about Sonic's design that didn't sit well with a lot of people. I've heard some people say that they think it was a... Uh, too much of a design by a committee where, you know, maybe the design looked good at the beginning and then too many hands get in on the design and they tweak it one way or another and by the end you're kind of left with this sort of 
I don't know, emotionless version of what it originally was. And I feel like that's kind of the vibe people got across from the first design, you know, like, you know, maybe somebody had a good design, then these people in suits come in and say, no, he has to look more realistic. No, we got to give him teeth. But hedgehog teeth are pointy, so he'll look freaky if that's the way. And it kind of got away from them, I think. But uh, I maybe the studio realized that. Maybe they realized that, yeah, our first design was kind of soulless, for lack of a better term. And like maybe they realized, <laughs> like, the Internet's right. We need to redo this. And it's really cool to see. I know there's a lot of times when studios don't bow, you know, bow down to the trolls online. And I feel like at least in a perfect world, those are the cases when they're like, no, we have an artistic vision for what we're doing and, uh, you know, we're not going to change it because we know this is right. You guys just have to wait to see it, you know? But maybe this is the one of those things where the studio actually realized, like, no, you guys are right. Our bad. Let's, let's redo this. So, I don't know. That's kind of my thoughts on it, at least. Right. Um, I'm going to quick interjection because I just, sure. I just received a text from Bryn, who's a little behind on our show. Um, her text reads, you guys are killing me. The little vampire was not on your vampire list. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually never seen it. Um, she also said sugar and spice takers and the town are also not on the heist lists, man. (laughs) Um, the town, the town, you don't know I'm recording right now. And I think that's awesome that you just happened to text me right when we were doing this. Yeah. The town actually made my short list, but, uh, the town also made my short. I mean, we don't have to retread old lists. Why? No, no, I just, (laughs) I just thought it was funny. Um, yeah, no, the, the town definitely made my list, and sugar and spice I've seen. Um, sorry, it didn't make my short list though, Brent. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that is. I just thought um, it was like components of the Powerpuff Girls or something. It, but, yeah. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that old nursery rhyme. Yeah. Um, at any rate, um, so we have a few news stories, and then we'll talk our list tonight. Um, I kind of derailed what you were saying about no, it, with that. Oh no, no, no! I honestly said all my thoughts. Just yeah, sure. Um, all right, so. I'm going to talk about the Joker real quick because this is really cool because I mentioned how the Joker um, is now the highest grossing R-rated film of all time. Yeah. But this is something I think is awesome. The budget for the Joker was $62.5 million. Okay. Which is yeah. like, you know, Avengers Endgame That's was 350 yeah. something built a million. So this is $62.5 million for the Joker's budget. It earned, so far worldwide, $950 million. So it's 15 times over its budget. That is a huge success. I just think that's awesome. Um, and it just shows, to what happens when you put together a really good movie. And that's I just I just wanted to quickly point out when we mentioned that it was like the highest grossing, where it sits in terms of gr- earn, earnings versus budget. Yeah, so. I mean, that's really cool. Um, I, I've heard like some crazy statistics that like the <clears throat> actual percentage that it's actually made of profit is just like has set some records and stuff and it's really interesting and it kind of just goes to show you like a lot of uh newer horror movies do this too where it's like they uh have a pretty small budget but then because like of how many people go see it you know it's not it's still not avengers endgame or star wars levels of crowds but it can still lead to like a super profitable outcome and like joker like you said has that as well as a lot of like i think the conjuring movies a lot of these newer horror movies have that kind of same thing going for them so um yeah so yeah i just i just yeah i just it's just awesome that the joker is getting um that has made the money that it did yeah um, did you, do you like the Halo video games? Yeah. Okay. Who doesn't? 
I, you know what? That's a good question. Who doesn't? <laughs> Did you know they're making a Halo television series? No. We I, haven't we haven't talked about this at all? We might have. It's just like ever since they were hyping up a Halo movie so much, like years and years ago, and that <laughs> never happened, I kind of just haven't paid that close right, attention exactly. to Halo and it's something that It's like they tried to make movies, they tried to make movies, nothing happened, nothing happened, and then... Um, and then there was this thing about being turned into a television series, and they've had a couple, like, short television, live-action, like, things that's been done, and the majority of them are on Netflix. So if you're interested in the Halo universe and outside so, the games, there's a couple things on, like, Forward Unto Dawn, I think, is on Netflix. I've seen that one. Um, but it's live-action, so it's it's cool, it's oh, just no, I not... Didn't, I didn't see Forward Unto to Dawn. I saw the one that's, like, a collection of animated shorts. Yeah, there's that one. Yeah, that's the one I saw. Which I think is like Halo Legends. I think that's what it's called. Oh, okay, right. Uh, but Forward Unto Dawn is a live action. There's not enough Master Chief and there's not enough Covenant and that kind of thing in the series. But it was a nice, oh my gosh, they're actually trying to do something. Yeah. Anyway, Halo got picked up. This happened a long time ago. Halo got picked up for a television series by Showtime. What's nice about that is that Halo is a mature title Showtime will allow for violence and language and gore and nudity and whatever they need yeah. to do to make it Halo, right? And it's they're not hindered by the same rules as like a cable or a network or something like that. So Halo is moving forward. It's been very quiet. No one's heard about it for a really long time because they had a showrunner leave and now they got a new showrunner. However, they just announced cast for some key mem- some key cast members. Yeah. So I, that's the only reason I'm bringing it up is because some casting got announced. Um, so first off, I'm going to work backwards on this list because the two most important ones are at the top of the list here. Okay. There's only four cast members that got released. So Miranda Keys is being played by a girl named Olive Gray. Uh, Miranda okay. Keys is the daughter of Captain Keys. Um, she was a major player from Halo 2 on. So, like, she wasn't in the first Halo game, but in Halo 2 is when she made her first appearance, and then she was a major player. Um... Uh, it looks like they're playing her younger, though, because the girl looks pretty young um, okay. in the picture yeah. that they released. Captain Keys, her father, is played by David Sapini, if I said that correctly. Um, I didn't know they were going to go this route with Captain Keys, but I totally appreciate what they're doing, and I, I think it's great. So I, I buy it. Let's go with it. Um, here's the next two. These are the important ones. Dr. Halsey who is in charge of the Spartan program and the story that creates the Spartans, the yeah. whatever, Master Chief, um, is Natasha McElhorn, if I pronounce that last name right. Um, she looks a little young, but I'm totally okay with her playing the part because I think she looks like her because then she would also be the voice of Cortana. Right. I honestly kind of was hoping that they were going to use Jen Taylor for Cortana because... Um, Jen Taylor has been voicing Cortana the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, th- and then the final one is the Master Chief, the main character of the series, is going to be played by Pablo Schreiber. Here's what I can say: the Master Chief is a character that you never see his face in the video games, right? Mm-hmm. So, in my personal opinion, the way you do this live action is you get the guy who did the voice for the games to do the voice for the show, and then you put a stunt man in the suit, and then don't worry about it. <laughs> right, yeah. You know what I mean? Because then you don't ever have to take his helmet off. But if you do want to take his helmet off, the picture of, like, when I looked up Pablo Schreiber and I looked up what he looked like, I'm great. Sure, I'll take it. Master Chief, here we go. Yeah. I still honestly would like them to use the voice actor from the game 
you know, so if they have to take his helmet off and we have to see his face, I'm okay. I, I think this is great. I'm down for it. My nice. biggest, my yeah. big concern is that they were going to find some like crazy big celebrity to play the character, and then it would like degrade my mental image of what the Master Chief is. When I guess I go that's play a the good call. Myself. I thought that it was going to be these huge names at the end. Um, I was just looking at pictures of all the actors you mentioned. Natasha McElhorn. I I know I've seen her and stuff, but I can't. I couldn't figure it out. Right. But she looks very familiar. But I think you're right. Like if the Master Chief was some really well-known celebrity, it could just ruin the whole sort of uh, mystique of it and the whole like imagining yourself in that suit aspect that Master Chief Chief should and will have. You know. So yeah, um, I'm just excited because we actually got some news. <laughs> right. For a show that's been we've been kept in the dark about for a very long time. So it's just nice to know that they're still moving forward. Um so yeah, moving on from Halo. So I'm just I'm excited. But moving on yeah, from Halo. Definitely. Uh last week Kevin Feige made a statement saying if you want to understand the future of Marvel films going forward, you must watch the stuff on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this last week. So my thoughts on this are I, I really have been thinking about this all week. Um, my thoughts on this are the following. There are people like you and me who will watch everything if they say we have to watch it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, if they say you need to watch this, I'm going to go watch it before I go see whatever. If they tell me I need to watch She-Hulk before I see the next movie, I'll make sure I've seen She-Hulk before I see the next movie. My problem is, is now I want to know what order do I watch these shows versus movies in. Do yeah. I mix and match episodes? Is there a timeline constraint? Is like, how does that all flow? I do understand that if you look at the Phase Four announcement from San Diego Comic Con, they kind of tell you the order in which everything releases. Is that the order I'm supposed to watch it? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that makes me wonder. The next part of this is there's an average Joe who a might not go. You know what? Eh, I don't need Disney Plus. <laughs> not buy Disney Plus. Or B, he only watches the movies. Okay? If you watch the Netflix series, uh, the Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, those series, you didn't necessarily have to watch those to follow the films. Yeah. You didn't not have to all, watch yeah. you didn't have to watch Agents of Shield at all to follow the films. My problem with forcing you to watch the Disney Plus shows for the films is you have this average audience who's not like us. Like, how about this? Us and our listeners understand, because I don't think anyone, like, everyone who listens to us, I assume, is in our same demographic, and they are going to pay attention and go, oh, I need to watch that? Cool. Or, oh, I should watch it in this order? Cool. And they will follow the rules that Kevin Feige lays out. But there's this average (laughs) audience, the average moviegoer that's not in... Are you laughing at me? I'm laughing at the phrasing, follow the rules. (laughs) Well, I didn't didn't mean it like that. I just... Um, no, I mean, it's, it didn't, it didn't, there's nothing like bad about what you said. It's just like, it's just a funny concept. Like, tell me what to do. Oh Lord, Feige, you know, sort of No, thing. right. But I'm just saying like our, dem- us and our listeners will follow the way they want us to watch it. And they'll, yeah. they'll follow a, a semblance of an order. But now I'm questioning what order I'm watching stuff in. Like, do I watch half a Scarlet Witch and then I have to watch part of Winter Soldier and go back to Scarlet Witch because yeah. of because of zigzagging timelines and making sure it all flows properly because that's going to bug me because that's how I watch the CW shows and it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of work to keep up with it that way. But um, 
But the average viewer, the average people who just watch the movies and they don't focus on anything else, how lost are they going to be? Exactly. We're not going to know. We're actually not going to have an answer to that until the next movie yeah. comes out, which is the Eter- uh, Black Widow and then the Eternals. Yeah. But I this is exactly why last week I was a doubter about this whole thing. And I'm still really skeptical because... I don't know that I believe that they are going to alienate, like you said, the average Joe. You know, I'm thinking about, like, little Timmy's mom who takes him to go see the next Marvel movie who hasn't watched any of the shows. Is she going to be completely lost when she sits in that movie theater? I don't know. And then I've even seen people online talk about this who take it one step further where they talk about certain, like, other countries, like aren't even getting Disney Plus at the same time. Maybe they yeah, won't get it at all. And it's this sort of thing, like, the MCU is like an international uh, movie series. Like, people see it all over the world. Do you really think they're going to alienate that big of a chunk of people? Like, I really don't believe it, but I don't know. I mean, I know. I, I, I thought the same thing, because I don't think, uh, I don't think England... Is it England? Oh, I'm not sure. Someone isn't getting Disney Plus until March. It's not, oh, okay. it's not England. Who Shoot, who was it? Someone's not getting... I saw it recently. I just... I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Like, that's, that just kind of bugs me that they would pigeonhole themselves into that mm-hmm. kind of setting, you know? Um, in the world of Marvel making statements like that, Kevin Feige has confirmed that uh, She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, who's different than Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. and Moon Knight will appear in the MCU movies after their Disney Plus debut. Okay, and I think that's really cool. That's, that's really exciting from, like you were saying, like I remember I started watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I was hoping that it was going to have a little bit more correlation with the movies, and it didn't. And hearing that is like really exciting. Yeah. And the other thing, and this brings me back to the average viewer, is when they see Moon Knight on the MCU on the big screen for the first time, how many of the average viewers are going to go, who's that guy? Yeah. Where all of us watching Disney Plus are going, well, we've been watching Moon Knight this whole time, and it's amazing. Exactly. And it By also the way, I can't me... wait for Moon Knight. <laughs> it also makes me wonder if, are these characters just going to be in the background of a big battle scene, or well, are they going to actually get big parts in these movies? Correct. You know? She-Hulk and Miss Marvel, for sure, I don't think will just be background characters. Yeah. Moon Knight, I could see being a background character at first, because he's technically, for the people who don't read comic books and just watch the movies, Moon yeah. Knight is obscure. For those of us who are in the know, we're excited about Moon Knight. Yeah, and I, but I think it's also like, I think you could do a uh, cameo from Moon Knight or She-Hulk or something in a Marvel movie and just throw a quick line of dialogue their way to catch the audience up. Like most of these characters, if you kind of like say a quick summary of the comic book character, they're kind of gonna, people are gonna kind of understand what you're trying to say, you know, if you're like, oh, this is so-and-so from this place and he has these powers, people will know enough to follow along with the movie, I guess, so, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, yeah, so I just, that's just my concern with that statement. But, mm-hmm. since we brought up Moon Knight, um, this got me really excited. Okay. Umbrella Academy creator Jeremy Slater is the head writer writer on the Moon Knight series. Interesting. So this is the Netflix Umbrella Academy? Yeah, creator? so okay. the, 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 the show the Netflix say... Academy. The, the Netflix Academy. The show the, <laughs> the, show the Umbrella Academy on yeah. Netflix, which is phenomenal. If you haven't watched it, 
oh my god, you guys need to watch the show. Um, but the creator of the Umbrella Academy is going to be the head writer on Moon Knight for and Disney+. This is, I'm getting confused because, okay, because like as far as I knew, Gerard Way was the creator of Umbrella Academy. And so that's why I didn't know if it's like the Netflix show writer or I if think he co-wrote the, it I together. I think it's the Netflix. Right, um, yeah. Creator. And I, I'm not trying to like call you out or something. No, no, no. I'm just no. I, just, I saw the thing and I was like, I don't oh, know that's a awesome. lot about the series, but yeah. yeah. Um, and you said he's working on what? Which he's, show now? He's the head writer on Moon Knight. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. So, awesome. So what does that mean for the Umbrella Academy, though? I mean, Umbrella Academy is probably going to keep going. <laughs> right. a, here's the thing. A lot of writers, if, if you know how the industry works, is a lot of writers will, they will work on a project, they'll get something done, and then they'll move on to the next project. Yeah. Or... I finished the episode. I'm gonna go here. Finish this episode. Um, you know, like a comic comic authors do that a lot too, where they will write chunks of stuff and then they'll go like, I'm working on Batman. I get all my Batman stuff done. Oh, I have a Superman arc. I got to do. I got you know that kind of thing. Yeah, so. but I mean, what are they gonna do when the streaming wars go full bore and they have to pick a side? You're gonna to have to. You can't be working. You know what? For both that's what, you know? <laughs> and that's and that's why we have writers' rooms. And if you watch The Simpsons, is a great episode about how writer's rooms works. Yeah. Where Lisa tries to publish a book by herself, and Bart and a bunch of other people decide to publish a book as a team, and Bart and his team get the book completely finished, published, and everything, and Lisa hasn't even started her, like, outline because she doesn't know what to write about. <laughs> I guess so, there's something um, it's a really in, It's a really funny, interesting uh, episode to watch, but... Uh, which, and I don't remember the episode <laughs> title, but you can find it on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so, uh, and we're going to get to Disney+, Plus in a second, because that's kind of like in my head today. That's like one of the biggest pieces of things we need to discuss. Um, this, I think, is stupid, but we're going to bring it up anyway, um, because it's really cool that Chris Evans made a comment about this. So Chris Evans is doing press. Um, he's doing... Uh, do you see... Um, you see the trailer for the movie Knives Out coming? No. Okay. It's a new Ryan Johnson film written and directed by Ryan Johnson. Chris Evans is in it. The movie looks great. It's one of those, like, who did it mystery movies. It comes out Thanksgiving. It completely ruins who did it mystery movies. Probably. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> it, looks, it looks fantastic. Daniel Craig, Jamie Lee Curtis, Chris Evans. I mean, it's a huge cast. It just looks great. Are they um, ready to have their careers ruined? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Is that a stab at Ryan Johnson? <laughs> no, I actually I don't mind him at all. I'm just I don't mind him at either. And when he does, I'm trying to be when, an internet troll right now. I know, now. <laughs> I know you are. When Ryan Johnson does his um, noir mystery films that he's done, like Brick and Looper and all that stuff, they're so good. So I'm really actually cool. kind yeah. of excited to see this. It comes out Thanksgiving. Um, but and I'm assuming I'm assuming this quote came up while he was doing press for. Um, Knives Out, because it's the only thing I know he's got coming out right now. I, I do love that title, by the way. Like Knives, Knives out. out sounds cool as hell. So. Yeah. Um, well, he's doing this. He's, he's out doing press for something, and some reporter asks him if, he, if he's up for returning as Captain America. Clearly, this reporter has not seen Avengers Endgame, or they're just trying to get a soundbite for an article or a soundbite for their radio show or whatever. I just think yeah. it's dumb. <laughs> I think it's dumb when you have this crazy, poignant thing that happens in a movie and everyone goes, oh my gosh, that was Chris Evans' last moment as his character. And then someone asks that dumb question like, are you coming back? Like, <laughs> like if Captain America died, would you be asking, are you coming back? Yeah. Um, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is apparently playing Iron Man in... Um, 
the Black Widow movie, and there's always a chance they could do a flashback and we see Captain America. It's just... Yeah. I just think it's weird when reporters ask this stuff. So, um, (laughs) So Chris Evans, on the topic of Captain America Return, he seemed very on the fence, and he... This was his response. I just think it's great. To Marvel... Wow. Everything clicks when, I, clicks when I get up. It's not a hard no, but it's not an eager yes either. I think Cap had such a tricky act to stick the landing, and I think they did a really nice job of letting, comp- letting him complete his journey. It'd be a shame to sour that. I'm very protective of it. It almost feels like maybe we should let this one sit. And I think it's great that Evans is really protective of the Captain America role. I was I'm really glad to hear him talk about it the way he talks about it, and it just it just made me happy to read that. So where he didn't have to give an answer, he gave an answer. Now, do you think he's ever thought of the idea of an evil clone Captain America? <laughs> no. Oh, so so the so the hail the the actual hail Hydra version of Captain yeah. America. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. No, that's a really awesome quote. I love hearing. Um, I love hearing just Hollywood people in general who have the, um, I guess, the artistic vision and, like, the actual, like, emotional journey of the characters in mind and stuff as opposed to just, oh, yeah, that sounds like a nice paycheck. You know, I'd get that sort of thing. So, yeah, I do really love that right. quote. So, Well, all right. So let's move on. Where are we at? All right. We got a little bit of time. I wanted to actually, like, talk about Disney Plus legitimately. Um, so on the actual, like, let's look at the menuing screen, like, ooh, I'm logged this in. Is, our, this is my first time seeing this is, it. That's so. why I thought, I was like, this could be kind of fun. Peter and I are looking at it. Well, I'm not looking at this for the first time, yeah. but Peter is. Um, so they have the scrolling banner at the top. These are, like, the big, like, poignant, check it out, High School Musical, the show, Simpsons, um, Avatar's got to be there for some reason, um, <laughs> Encore, uh, yeah. Captain Marvel, why not? Um, eventually you'll see The Mandalorian, but... Um, what I like here is that you have – these are all buttons. So right under the main banner, um, if you haven't logged in your Disney Plus account yet, there's these nice little buttons. So you have Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, National Geographic. If I click on Star Wars, for example, I'm going to do that first. It brings me to the Star Wars page. <laughs> and the movies are all listed here. The television series are all listed here. So the shorts. They have movies. For some reason, I thought they weren't going to have all the movies right away. This is, And this is something I looked at right away. First off, it is odd to me that the movies are listed in release order. Not chronological order, release order. So it goes A New Hope, Empire, Return of the Jedi, Phantom Menace, Attack yeah. of the Clones. And then you jump to... You know, Force Awakens and Rogue One. The only movies for Star Wars that are not on the Disney Plus app right now are The Last Jedi and Solo. And Solo, which are on Netflix. They're on Netflix yeah. right now, and I'm assuming that in the contractual get them from one platform to this platform, they're under contract to be at Netflix for X amount of time, and as the yeah. contracts expire, they will be moved over. Okay. That could be my only... That's my only assumption. But the entirety of Clone Wars is here. The new season of Clone Wars... Uh, that they've been talking about, the final season doesn't drop till February. Okay. So that's not on here yet. Um, but what's really nice is they have all the Lego Adventure guys in here. Nice. The Empire of Dreams um, documentary, I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to see... I think I've seen this. If you've never... This, 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 ago, is the, yeah, this, this is, is, in my opinion, is the best Star Wars documentary that exists. I've watched it multiple times. It's very lengthy, but 
Yeah, it was, it was really good. Um, I do like that they have the Darth Vader collection. <laughs> and if you look at this, this is cool. This is in sequential order. Revenge of the Sith, Rogue One, New Hope, Empire, and Return of the Jedi. And then his other appearances, like in the shorts and the shows and stuff. But if it, it starts with... It's still weird that they don't have uh, Phantom Menace and Attack <laughs> of the Clones in there, though. Right, and then... I mean, that's his, there's his origin, I mean... I, I, I agree. I agree, but it's just interesting that the movies that Darth <laughs> I mean, Vader appears in... I guess you could have certain characters' collections and then just have right. every single movie, so there's no right. point to it. So we're going to jump back home real quick. Um, we're going to go to Marvel. Um, I'm going to jump down to Marvel. And then this is something I think is interesting. Now, remember when I said contractual obligations? Yeah. Okay. So some of the Marvel movies are tied up with contractual obligations of network broadcasting, like FXM... Um, some of them are on Netflix, like uh, Last Jedi and Solo, um, that kind of thing. So, and I've counted it out. There's only 13 of the Mar- of the 23 Marvel films on here. Um, the thing that I find the it's a big chunk that's missing. Though, it's a big chunk that's missing. It. But they said they said because of those contractual obligations, it won't all be on there at launch. I understand. What I do think is weird. This is the weirdest part about the Marvel movie lineup is that none of them are in sequential order. Yeah. Because the first one you see is Endgame, sure. Then you see Captain Marvel, okay. Iron Man 3, Guardians, you know what I mean? The order that it's listed just blows my mind that it's not like that. And that's what they need is, and this might be better when everything's on here, but I want to be able to start with Iron Man and press play and then have it auto-play every single exactly. movie in order. And I'm hoping Disney, I know you're listening because I know you're listening for ev- I know you want everyone's feedback. So I know you're actually listening to the show. But that that's something I yeah. agree with. I would like it and I'd like it like that for Star Wars. Um yeah. And be- that's like something like you talk about Friends or The Office or whatever your favorite sitcom that you like to just binge through the background noise all the time. Yeah. This is what I, w- I would love to have Marvel or Star Wars going right. on in the background um, all day. They do have these uh, series and specials. There's one in here called Expanding the Universe, which this actually looks like a um, documentary with Kevin Feige talking about beyond, like, Phase 4. It looks like a preview okay. type documentary, which I plan on getting to at some point. Um there's, uh, so there's some nice little bits here. Here it is, the 90s X-Men cartoon. Fun. Awesome. Yeah. Um, as I scroll down, they have these mini adventures, so you have all the little shorts. You have the Spider-Man Spider-Verse, so all the Spider-Man cartoons throughout <laughs> nice. the years are on here. Um, and this goes back to some old, like, 60s stuff, some Spider-Man of the new Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And then they threw in, what I like is, even at the end of the Spider-Verse stuff, the two Marvel films... Uh, uh, Two of the Spider-Man films that yeah. they can put there. Uh, then they have Marvel through the years. We even have the Spider-Woman cartoon on here. The 60s Spider-Man cartoon. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's really impressive to see that. It's cool to see those old shows, too, because I can just picture, like, hanging out with a group of friends and, like, having some drinks and putting on, like, Spider-Man and his amazing right. friends or some old show like that and having a yuck about that. So If you scroll past, before I click on any of the other buttons, if you scroll past the main buttons at the top of the screen, it goes into, like, your Netflix-style yeah. uh, menuing screen. So you have, like, you have your originals. Okay, so your Disney Plus originals. Lady and the Tramp is right there. High School Musical is right there. Mandalorian is right there. 
recommended for you. Apparently, The Simpsons has already been recommended for me. Dumbo's been recommended for me. I haven't watched anything yet. Yeah. I'm just, you know, uh, hit movies. Hey, there's Avatar and Frozen and Toy Story 3. Um, you know, and it's just, it basically falls into this Are thing. they going to do an Avatar series? Um, do you I don't, think that'll happen someday? There's apparently they five as, more Avatar movies coming. I know, coming, but they so. might as well just turn it into a TV series, and then James Cameron can literally do whatever he wants. Like, you know, why not? I mean, the budget for that, I can't imagine the budget for that sort of thing, but I oh, mean, yeah, why sure. not, you know? Um, so I was scrolling through some of these, and I was like, oh, wait, that's it, that's it. And then I was really decided to, you know, they have the throwback <laughs> uh, they have the throwback stuff. So Boy Meets World is on here. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Hannah Montana is on here. Um, there's some really cool stuff. Nostalgic movies. Uh, Tron's on here. Parent Trap. You know, like there's some cool stuff. The Disney Junior for the for the younger kids. The feel good sports movies. You know, like this I thought was awesome. The original Steamboat Willie cartoons are on mm-hmm. here. They have this Mickey through the years. So you get to see some real old school That's Mickey fun. stuff. Some documentaries. I haven't seen Free Solo yet, so I'm actually looking forward. I'm planning on watching that. Um, this is going to literally just be hours of time. Roger Rabbit. I think that's great that that's on there because that's um, mm-hmm. uh, that what that's that's one of those weird like Disney owns but not owns yeah. kind of properties. It's like that's like the movie version of that um, Umbrella Academy creator where it's yeah, trying right. to play both sides of the streaming yeah. wars. <laughs> so um, National Geographic. If you watch the network, just about everything is on there. Okay. Um, Pixar. I scrolled through Pixar. I hit the Pixar button. I scrolled through that a little bit. The thing about Pixar is that there's a so there's a like Toy Story four just came out on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. It's not on the app yet. I'm assuming that's a contractual thing. You got to let the Blu-ray have its day in the sun first before we put it on the app. Because if we put it on the app, no one buys the Blu-ray. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Quick so, question, because I'm curious how in depth this goes. Pixar animated series are any of those on there? So like Pixar, Buzz we'll Lightyear of Star Command. Let's is that click on the there? button. Uh, that might actually fall under Disney and not Pixar because uh, we have the movie section. So they're being pretty technical about what studio produces what and yeah. stuff. What I do like, however, is they've broken it down, especially for the series: Toy Story, Cars, um, oh, Unlikely Heroes. Um, all the the Pixar shorts are all on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pixar through the years, some of the older shorts, like as they like created, like it, I just it's awesome. Um, and then I thought this was cool, so I'm gonna click the Disney button. Um, this is just Disney films and television series. So as we go, we have the originals. We talked about that. These are the Disney Plus original movie uh, okay, television right. shows. I was like, the originals, I'm not familiar with that series. Is this like the Descendants or something? No, or? this is like the Disney Plus originals. Um, and then we move into live action movies. This is just a kind of string. Now, you're just like, oh my God, that's 500 films. How are they going to do that? This little like scroll bar is not 500 films long. Oh, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. But as we scroll down, we have an animated movies list, Disney Channel originals. This was awesome. Check that out. Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Um, I mean, there's only... Oh, okay. <laughs> they didn't yeah. all load. I was like... They didn't load. There's anyway. Rescue Rangers yeah. and the Jonas Brothers. I'm yeah. only interested in one of those. Uh, Chippendales, fantastic. Gravity Falls, I'm going to tell you this. If you are an adult and your kid needs to watch something, like you're just like, oh, kids watching cartoons, watch Gravity Falls. You're going to love it. It's kind of like this mix of... Uh, 
a kid's television show in the X-Files. <laughs> right. I've seen um, a, an episode of, or two of that. I thought it was really cool. Um, so we have animation. the original Ducks, DuckTales on here. Um, Kim Possible's on here, the Big Hero 6 show. Um, I mean, there's some really cool stuff. Then you scroll down to Out of the Vault, so movies that have just got... Because there's no more Disney Vault as of Disney+. Plus. So all the movies that were in the vault that they released for the app, you can find on here. Um, this I thought was great. 90s throwback. So there's some 90s stuff in here. Goofy movies on here. Um, uh, the Inspector Gadget movie, Blank Check. Love that movie. Tailspin. Goof mm-hmm. Troop. It's just, you're just like, sweet. Darkwing Duck. Like, hey, Gargoyles. Hey, there's Gargoyles. We talked about that. Um, there's just some, I mean, this is, it's awesome. And then you have your Disney original, your D, your DCOMs. Um, hmm. Now, I did, because I was curious, I decided to do a search earlier. Um, so um, if you do, if you hit, hit the search button, they do open it up and they give you more of a collection thing. Like, hey, the Skywalker Saga collection. So it's all it's all the Star Wars films. It's like a quick jump to some of these okay. other things. But then you can also type something in. Yeah. So I mean, like, I, I'm trying to think of something obscure. So for example, thing, but. it's not obscure, but when I was scrolling through the bars, I didn't see Three Musketeers. Yeah. So I thought to myself, I'm going to type in Three Musketeers, and oh, there it is. Yes. Okay, nice. Do you know what I mean? So I literally, mm-hmm. like, you know, and there's Three Caballeros, uh, which is one of the first original uh, <laughs> films. I feel like I'm going to go home and watch Three Musketeers right away, to be it's, honest. You know what I mean? Like, this is, it's just really cool how they put, it's just so user-friendly, and they really did their homework on how to put this together. Here's something I do want to point out, and then we'll move on to the list. Okay. Um, but... Uh, back under the, if you go into the search, I said they popped up the uh, um, stuff here. So like, yeah, Spider-Man collection there, Mickey Mouse and Friends. But you scroll down here, there's this great little button called the Muppets Collection. Of course. Because everyone forgets that Disney owns the you Muppets. You would honestly think that would almost be one of the main buttons to... Right. Now, this is where I'm really excited that this is on here and a little disappointed, but I think it's a, I think it's a forthcoming thing. So if you look here, you have the first two you see are Muppets and Muppets Most Wanted. Those are the newer movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, Muppets Christmas Carol, fantastic. The Muppet Babies, not the original Muppet Babies. This is something on Disney Junior. Okay, okay. It's like a CG version. The, origi- of it or the original Muppet Babies is one of the greatest, in my opinion, cartoons that ever was created. I know exactly created. where you're going with this. To be because honest. of the pop culture references, because like because of the things they did with that show. It's one of the greatest cartoons ever. Yeah. The problem with that show is that because of the pop culture reference, it is locked up in these contract nightmare of oh, yeah. who is allowed to actually have this product. Yeah, because it's like one character opens a door and then there's a black and white clip from like an Alfred Hitchcock movie, movie or something. Or, yeah. or they're just like, oh, hey, maybe he went down this hallway and there's stormtroopers that walk past <laughs> yeah, him. It's exactly. like the, and, it's, yeah. it's so amazing what they did with that because it's like these, it's just the Muppets with their imaginations, but holy cow. That's like, funny. The con- it's the contractual stuff. And that makes me worried that Disney is going to release, like, this hackneyed together. Like, they're going to use only, like, replace all those with Disney clips so it makes sense. But right. then it's going to lose right. some of um, its appeal, you know? They do have the original Muppet movie on there. They have the great Muppet caper. They don't have um, Muppets Take Manhattan, which is okay. That'll, that's probably forthcoming. Yeah. But they do have the ABCs. The ABC series they did with the Muppets, where it was like the newer take on what the Muppets would be if it existed today. 
Okay. So if you remember the old Muppet show, they did it in a theater. Yeah. And you got to see the stuff that happened on stage and the behind-the-scenes stuff. So if you were to do the Muppet show today, it'd be on network television, and they'd have oh. admin offices and stuff. So it's the same idea, but it's more like it's done in the realm of, like, The Office or Parks and Rec. So you get oh, to like see 30 all, Rack. Or, like, yeah. 30 Rock, where you get to see the, you know. Um, um, I thought that was actually done really well. For so. a second, I thought you were going to say they were YouTubers, and that was going to make me crack up. Oh, no. Um, yeah. This is really random, but I thought it would be really cool if they did a Wayne's World, like, Wayne's World 3, and have, like, Wayne and Garth have, like, a really big YouTube channel nowadays yeah, or something. I think that'd be great. Well, my disappointment with the Muppets is that the Muppets ran as a television show back in the day. I was hoping that the actual yeah, episodes no, of the show would be on there. That's an absolute, like, that's the first thing I noticed was just a glaring lack of the Muppet Where show. Where is you know? the Muppet show? Um, I have a feeling that that's forthcoming and that'll be, you know, added in later. So, yeah, just a thought. So that's Disney Plus, everybody. So, um... Yeah, everyone needs to watch The Mandalorian tonight. I'm probably going to watch it twice <laughs> because for some reason it's only 40 minutes. Uh, the first episode is only 40 minutes. I <laughs> you thought so upset. <laughs> I did. I was expecting an hour to an yeah. hour and a half first episode and then, sh- like, you know. <laughs> I heard, like, 20 of those minutes is just an opening call. <laughs> so many, so many things well, <laughs> they said that not every episode will be of the same length. Okay. So there is one thing I do want to look at. I think there's at. some merit to that and some not, you know. We're going to look at cool. one thing before we move on because I wanted to, I've wanted to know this the whole time. Since Lucasfilm was bought by um, Disney. Disney. So Disney buys Lucasfilm. Then Luke, they have control of the original Star Wars movies, which had the 20th Century Fox logo and fanfare in the front of the film. Yes, yeah. So when they released all the new Star Wars movies under the Disney banner... They had to remove that 20th Century Fox logo, and then so they just have the silver Lucasfilm logo that appears. But now they bought Fox, mm-hmm. so do they get that logo back? So if I pl- click on Star Wars A New Hope right now, I'm going to keep the sound off, but we're going to take a look at this real quick. What happens, what logo do have, I get? Have, you, have that, you looked at this yet? Or no, no? Okay. I haven't. I figured I was going to wait for you, because then we're going to do the, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to shut down the podcast... And you and I are going to verbally describe everything we see in the episode of The Mandalorian. <laughs> All right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. I need to get home at some point. We're not going to do that to the listeners. No, I just want to know like what the opener is. Um, compa- contains up oh, 20th Century Fox logo right there. Cool. No, that's great. There is... Um yeah, that just takes me back to my childhood. That's really cool to see that. Yeah, back and is it the silver? It's the silver. So the 20th Century Fox logo is there. The silver's there. And I have a feeling, um, I can't guarantee this, but I have a feeling that they cha- the, if the fanfare is not there, it might be a different fanfare. Yeah. Or it's silent because the other ones are silent too. I just, so. I'm just thinking, like, I already have all the uh, Star Wars movies, like hard copies of them, but... You know we've all gotten into this, like, streaming age where you're just too lazy to put a movie in the DVD player. But now that I have this, like, I'm just going to drive my wife so crazy with just Star Wars all the time. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) I will say that they did alter Star Wars A New Hope again. They made an alteration. Oh, I think I heard about this. With, Keep going, but the, I think I did Han hear about and this. Greedo who yes, shoots first. Yeah. So Greedo has an extra line of dialogue. <laughs> yeah. And I saw the clip on the internet, so now I have to watch A New Hope and find out. But there's an ex, there's a clip of uh, there is he has an extra line of dialogue 
And it in the clip I saw, they kept saying that Greedo shoots first. It honestly looks like they shoot at the same time. Okay. So we're still gonna. The <laughs> ultimate argument is who shot first. But if you are, if you and know anything about Star Wars, Han shot first. Right. So I heard that um, Greedo, and I don't know if it's in the line of dialogue because this is another thing I heard about. But I was at work, so I was only able to watch the clip on silence. But people are saying he says something like McClacky or something like that after yeah, like McClacky or McClacky. yeah, right. <laughs> and I think that's really funny. A lot of people were saying this is their like favorite version of this scene because they just love that McClacky <laughs> noise he makes or whatever. Right. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's Disney Plus. Everyone go watch Mandalorian tonight. And uh, yeah, that's all I got to say to that. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk the list. You ready? Yeah. All right, Ryan, we're done talking about Disney Plus. Time to roll the thing and get into the list. All right, go ahead. for the top five. So it's my list tonight. Mm-hmm. I decided to talk about, I decided we needed to talk about uh, soundtracks. Um, so this is the thing that we need to uh, dissect here. Um, what makes a soundtrack in a movie? There's three parts to a soundtrack in any film. There's the sound, which is sound effects, dialogue, explosions, all that right, nonsense. Yeah sound mixing and that kind of stuff so you're putting all those details together there is the instrumental score which is which is done by an orchestra um a really usually usually it is done by an orchestra sometimes it's a synth score like uh like in tron legacy when daft punk did the score it was a synth uh, score like social network with trent reznor and stuff like that but it's usually done instrumentally there's no lyrics that kind of thing maybe a backup choir if they had like something like star wars uses choirs for certain aspects um, but they're not like singing lyrics. They're it's more like chanting choir stuff, and it it most fits of the, the time. Scenes. There's like seldom uh, contradictions to that, but yeah, I'm right. in agreement. <laughs> then you have then you have the songs that appear in the film, and usually a lot of times they won't like they'll appear in in the film by themselves. They'll play in the movie. Sometimes you won't hear that, so you'll go out into the store and you'll buy the soundtrack, and there'll be songs on there that you never actually heard because some a lot of them don't appear till the end credits. There are aspects yeah. that um, sometimes it's a soundtrack is music from and inspired by the movie, and like a lot of the songs never even appear in the movie right, or exactly. in the credits. So, right, so. exactly. So tonight, the soundtrack I was talking about was the sound effect tracking. The look on your face right now. Is, <laughs> I mean, look, we might have to take a quick break. No, it's <laughs> the look on, I'm totally joking. The look on your face was phenomenal. Well, I'm thinking like I even texted you things to clarify this. So like, yeah, no, I'm messing. With you. No, and your text and the couple texts you sent me were really meant to do. Uh, it really made me realize I had to clarify a couple things. Yeah, there is for me. I like to refer to this as in-universe music. Versus soundtracking music. So, for example, uh, when you watch Guardians of the Galaxy, perfect example in this movie, the songs you hear are coming from the cassette tape that he plays in his, that Star Lord plays in his Walkman. Okay. So he's listening to music, and it's in universe. If he were to stop the Walkman, the music would stop. Does that make sense? <clears throat> Yeah, but I don't okay. know if that if I agree with that definition well, of a soundtrack. Oh wait, I see. I, I I get where you're going. Keep going. So yeah. in that soundtrack, 
the soundtrack for the movie is split into a couple things. You can get the orchestral Tyler Bates soundtrack, the instrumental soundtrack for Guardians of the Galaxy. I have it. It's fantastic. Most people don't even think to listen to it because they're all focusing on the the, the awesome mix volume one that yeah. Star-Lord plays throughout the movie. But the Tyler Bates score is astounding. Guardians of the Galaxy has the music. It's there for the music. It's in the movie, but it's all in-universe, right? A good example of in-universe music is the Cantina Band in Star Wars A New Hope. That music is on the soundtrack, if I were to go buy it, but that music is also played in the movie itself by the band. Yeah. The orchestra is not in the movie playing the Star Wars theme, but the Cantina Band is playing the music they're playing in the Cantina, and it's a part and it's instrumental. So there is so I so there's a do you understand the distinction what I mean by in universe versus Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. Okay, so Guardians of the Galaxy is the perfect example of kind of all three at the same time. That's yeah. what, you know. Plus they have the but dialogue are you saying and sound effects track. Soundtracks aren't limited to what's just in the universe though. No, they're not. I just some some songs you're are saying, you're saying soundtracks include I'm trying to think of like how you would phrase it, but it does include the in-universe music as well as correct. Like yeah, correct. So um, I have a there's actually one on my list that is specifically the entire thing. It's not Guardians of the Galaxy, but the entire soundtrack is in-universe music for for the film. But it's got it. It's all lyric and that kind of thing. Okay. So the soundtracks we're talking about tonight are the ones with lyrics. Guardians of the Galaxy is a perfect example. These are songs that were either put together for the film or songs that were inspired by the film and they created a soundtrack now, based but on But there is something to be said for like a soundtrack that's curated from pre-existing music. Like, I, that's what, I mean, that's what Tarantino does for yes. pretty much all yeah. of his films is he like... None of the music he uses was made for the films. He no. kind of digs up these, digs these, up these rare, rare things right. and puts them to his films. Yeah, and exactly. It works so, out and sometimes so. that's And sometimes that's how it works. Sometimes they're written for the movie. I have an example tonight for that, and sometimes right. they're not. Um, so, yeah, how about this? Um, since this is my list, do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, yeah, I actually have two. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I feel like... So I feel like after this whole discussion, I'm going into this like more we confused. Are, than we I are was running before, a little long, so yeah. let's try and be quicker on honorable mentions. No, I, I just I just think it's funny because I feel more confused about what our definitions for so soundtrack versus score and stuff were as opposed to before I started. Um, anyways, uh, moving into my first pick, this one's pretty recent and it's kind of funny. Um, I picked a uh, Suicide Squad. Oh. So. This is a soundtrack that I don't even know if all the songs on it actually do appear in the movie, but it's one of those things where this is just like a good collection of songs. I really like, um, it's kind of like a good like album to just put on at a, at a party or something, but I love that it has that DC Comics connection. But there are a couple songs in there like that I think really kind of defined the scenes in the movie. Like I don't know the song's name, but the song when... Uh, Harley falls into the vat of chemicals when she like oh, yeah. first comes home. Like the way that song like paired up with the visuals as well as the lyrics of it, like I thought came together like really perfectly to punctuate that scene. So yeah, very cool. Yeah, um, my first one is uh, Forrest Gump. Okay, that's awesome. my first yeah. honorable mention. Uh, the the movie itself because it's such a that movie is such a time capsule to a certain 
time in America's history or the world's history that um, and the album the the soundtrack that goes along with it is just that as well mm-hmm. it's it, it's all the music that matched that time period and all that stuff it's just a it's just a wonderful wonderful collection of music that was put together for the movie because of what the story the movie was telling so yeah and it I, it does work like super well with there are showing I, each time period it goes through um, there are people that would probably argue with me that it is the greatest soundtrack of all time I mean it's I mean subjectivity comes into play too eventually so it's hard to argue one way or another but it's not a bad pick definitely it's, it's not uh, a bad argument but I yeah. have a podcast and they don't so <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway you're saying. <laughs> Okay, so my next pick, unless you had more to say about Forrest nope. Gump, but my next pick is uh, Scott Pilgrim. So this oh. is a movie that is filled with both, um, like we said, like in-universe songs written for bands that appear in the movie, like uh, Clash at Demon Head or Sex Babam or Crash and the Boys, I think that band was called. But it also has a lot of like songs that, if you've read the comic, you know... Um, Brian Lee O'Malley was inspired by. Like, he used a lot of inspiration in the comic, and they carried a lot of those songs over to the movie. And it's just a really cool, like, mix of just, like, indie rock and stuff, as well as the in-universe songs. Um, A lot of people don't know, but the songs in the movie that, like, the bands play were written by, like, actual, like, big, like, singers and stuff that Brian Lee O'Malley likes, like, uh... Beck actually wrote all the songs for Sex Bobomb, and right. I think those songs are my favorite ones in the movie. But yeah, it's just a cool one. The only reason this one is an honorable mention as opposed to one of my higher picks is simply because it's. I haven't listened to it enough. Like, it's not oh, the sure. sort of thing where I can name every song on it, but I love the music in this movie. Sure. So. Um, well, my next pick is uh, High Fidelity. And this is an honorable mention? Honorable yeah. mention, yeah. Okay. So we hit, this is my last honorable mention, is High Fidelity. Um, have you seen this movie? Oh, yeah. I love this movie. Um, this is another good example of in-universe music because they work in a record store. Yeah. So every piece of music he is either listening to or they're talking about or they're playing in the store or it's... All the all the music is there yeah. for that reason, and um, it's just a really great thing because it's one of those. It tells a story about a certain time, and this is music that all fits the stuff because he's into it or going through this emotional thing, and he's listening to the song because the whole movie is about music. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, this is another one that I think if I knew the soundtrack a little bit better, it would be higher on my list. But it just. I haven't listened to it a lot, but it is one of those movies that you watch, and it's like, yeah, this soundtrack kicks ass, sort of thing. Well, I so. used to, I used to DJ weddings. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I did it for what, almost fifteen years, I think. I DJ weddings, and this was a album that I would put on at like one of those like down points when people are like in that cocktail hour and you just need yeah. music playing because none of the music is really danceable, but it's all really good songs, mm-hmm. and I just put it on and let it roll. And it would just fill, cool. and it would, yeah. and like you could let like three or four songs go, and it would just fill a good time <laughs> gap before you change to something else. So, mm-hmm. yeah, nice. Um, all right, your first actual pick. Yeah. Of the evening. And here starts my very weird ascension of picks, to be honest. But okay, so this, uh, it's funny that High Fidelity was your last one because that actually leads really well into my next one, which is Empire Records. Oh, so, that's a real good soundtrack. Yeah, and this is another one that takes place in a uh, record store the whole time. So a lot of the music is stuff that the characters are listening or talking about. And this is a movie that um, I will say 
the version of Sugar High that appears on the album is not the version of Sugar High that's played in the movie. Yeah. Because the version in the movie has an extra verse, and I wish the album had that yeah. verse, and had you know, that version. You know what? It's funny because I've actually read something about that online, about how, like, for some reason the version in the movie doesn't appear on the album, and I think it's because the band that originally performed it like there's some contractual thing and that, or something and that like kind of sucks because that that one verse that renee zellweger sings and that like that just i'm like that's one of the coolest parts of the yeah. not only of the movie but of that song yeah. and, so. a, and a fun fact about so the guy singing if i can remember this correctly the guy singing that the song sugar high at the end of that movie he's actually in the real band that like sang that song and uh, apparently they originally wanted to get Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day to play his role, but they couldn't get him, so they like went to another pop-punk band to get him in there. But I just thought that was kind of a interesting sure. little tidbit. Anyways, this is a movie that, uh, it takes place during the 90s, so a lot of it is just like 90s rock and 90s metal and just different genres of that time, but... I really think the movie does a good job of using all the songs it picks to kind of accentuate these emotional uh, moments throughout the movie, and I think it does it really well. And regardless if you think, like, 90s alternative, like, if you don't place that in the hierarchy of music, like, that's whatever, but I think the way they chose the songs for the movie, I think they put a lot of thought behind, like, what they want each scene to say and why they chose each song. So I think it's a... Yeah. That's what kind of why it makes my list, so... Awesome. Well, uh, my first pick, then, my first actual pick, I'm going with another John Cusack film, and that's Gross Point Blank. Okay. Um, I, I've i seen this. I don't know that... I can't remember the music, like, super well from this one, but... Um, first off, everyone needs to see Gross Point Blank. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but the... Um, the movie, the 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 soundtrack for that movie is, you know, he's he's a hitman that is going back to visit people in his hometown for his high school reunion. So all the music comes specifically from the year 1986 because that was the year of his grad, like his graduating class. But all the music, like the Clash, is on there, and like it's just these really great songs that fit that time period. Yeah. And for the most part, they're all in universe because one of the characters works at a radio station and she's playing the music. So you get to hear it, how it goes or like when they go to the reunion, the songs that playing at the dance, they're on there, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, overall, the soundtrack's great, but it's another one of those soundtracks that it's such a good collection of music that I can just put on and let that album go. Mm hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome. That's like, I love finding a good soundtrack that has that mix of songs that you can just listen to over and over again and yeah. stuff. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, what's your next? <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, so my next one, I feel like this one's really weird. Um, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. I felt, and I actually do genuinely like the music that Kevin Smith puts in a lot of his movies. He does choose a lot of really good songs. Yeah. By the way, did you see Zack and Miri? Yeah. Okay, the song, the live song. So when Zack and Miri... Um, uh, are together for the first time in the movie. The song by Live okay. that's playing, that is an unreleased track. Oh. That track okay. doesn't exist. It only was ever... That track only exists in that movie. Interesting. Um, and Kevin Smith had to... I guess uh, there's a really cool story that he told on in one of his uh, appearances about how... Um, getting the rights to use that song because he, he had to contact the band and jump through some hoops and stuff like that. And I... 
I'm a big fan of the band Live. Mm-hmm. I just wish I could get my hands on that song because it's such a good song. And it's but. not on the soundtrack you were saying. No. That, yeah, that's pretty rough, but... Yeah. I mean, you could probably listen to it on YouTube over and over again. Yeah. That's like maybe the only solution. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I was really thinking of all the, uh, especially the Jay and Silent Bob movies. And I was thinking, I kept thinking of these great moments like uh, in Clerks when they're talking about Star Wars. There's that like Chewbacca song in the background. I don't know if you remember it, but it's kind of like a harder like uh, rock sort of song. And they're chanting like Chewbacca, what a Wookiee over and over again. And then there's like... Uh, the opening uh, credits of Mallrats has like this great song that has that sort of boo do 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 like at the beginning, and I was like, those are cool, but as a whole, like I don't know if those soundtracks like really grab me as a whole. Like they have these really good moments, but I don't know if the whole movie like has that sort of great soundtrack feel. And I kind of got led to pick uh, Clerks Three for the next pick of my list. Clerks Two. Clerks. Or yeah, sorry. Why did I say <laughs> Clerks Three? I don't know what the heck's my problem. But yeah, Clerks Two. I guess I'm just <laughs> I'm living in future world, and I know how great that Clerks Three soundtrack's gonna be. But uh, no, Clerks Two. Um, I think that. Uh, this soundtrack's another one that's really sim- similar to uh, Empire Records, where I feel like the songs Kevin Smith picked for the movie like d- work so well with the emotional moments of the of uh, the movie. Like I don't know the name of the song at the beginning, but when you listen Nothing to it, Nothing but flowers. Is that what? It, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I now that you say that, it's like of course that's the title, but that's like a perfect song to start the movie off with. Yeah. And there's all these other moments like when they do. Um, there's like the Jackson 5 song in the middle, and that's like a perfect song for that moment, even though I don't know if I like that scene that much. <laughs> because <laughs> The scene feels out of place as no, a whole I, to I, me, I, but... I like the aspect of... Um, Dante and... I, I can't remember... I, uh, Rosario Dawson's character. Yeah, I can't Becky. remember her name. What I, I like I like the aspect of that scene of her teaching him to dance, but once you get to like a random choreographed group dance of people number. dancing in the parking <laughs> right. lot, that's where it loses me. It's still funny, but <laughs> I still do really enjoy uh, that song there, and then just like the whole thing, like I feel like they have all these moments that just the music works so well for. So that's why I picked that one. So. Sure. Um, all right, well, my next pick for the evening, and this is where we're starting to get into the soundtracks of our lives, <laughs> as I think about it, like, when I when I, when I think about what we're doing here. Is so, your next one the Days of Our Lives no. soundtrack? No, <laughs> um, my next one is Kill Bill Volume 1. Okay, nice. Now, I'm speci- now, if you were to say, Drew, what's your favorite Tarantino movie, and I say Kill Bill, and you ask me which Kill Bill, you got to understand that Kill Bill was shot as one movie, and he split it in half and made two, and released it as two movies. Yeah. But it's one film. The soundtracks, however, each movie has its own soundtrack. The only reason I separate the soundtracks is because I like, is because they're, it's music. It's not mm-hmm. a film that's meant to be watched in sequence. I don't have to listen to the music altogether. But I, so I think, so when I put those into perspective, the soundtrack for Kill Bill Volume 1 I liked better than the soundtrack for Kill Bill Volume 2. Yeah. So. I'm right there with you. I We actually matched on this one. I was actually going to save this one a little bit later, but this is... Oh, uh, okay. I think Kill Bill, and it might be just how young I was when the movie came out, um, I think seeing it really changed the way that I thought about soundtracks and movies and how you can, you can pair music with visuals and maybe do it in really unique and unexpected ways. And I think 
this soundtrack was such kind of a touchstone for me in that way, but it's also just like, there's a lot of really good music. Um, I love, and like, I'm with you where I picked Kill Bill Volume 1 because overall just I like all the songs better. Like, I like uh, the Charlie Feathers song that was in Kill Bill 2, I think I prefer, but otherwise, like, I think I like all the songs in Kill Bill Volume 1 better, but... Both a lot of, there's a lot of Japanese music in Kill Bill Volume One, which yeah. is understandable for the context of the story yeah. they're telling in that part of the film. And that's so I was working at Borders at the time when the yeah. movie came out, and that was one where I'd be working in the music department, and I'd be like, no one else is around, and I'd pop in Kill Bill Volume One and just yeah. let it roll, uh, just because of how good that soundtrack was. So, um, yeah. but yeah, what I was oh the other thing I was gonna say is like. When I listen to really either of the Kill Bill soundtracks, like I love how the music does, and this is something that music can do really well when it tries, is like it kind of takes you somewhere. Where and like you said, there's a lot of uh, Japanese music, but you listen to like the soundtrack, and there's songs that give you like a Western vibe or give you like a samurai vibe, and it's like really cool stuff to listen to, like when you're driving around and like just let your imagination run. Like, I think I love the music from this movie for that, as well as just the artistic way it was paired with the movie, I guess. Yeah. So. Um, all right, man. So that'd be back to you. Oh, because we, we matched. We matched. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and you said volume one as well, right? Yes, exactly, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so that comes back to me. Um, my next pick is Top Gun. Okay, I, um, I like I I knew this was gonna come from from look, your picks. We've but. talked about our love for the Top Gun movies, but yeah. this is one where I liked to put it on, listen to Danger Zone, and just drive fast. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I don't know who didn't grow up with <laughs> Top Gun in their lives and think to themselves, "Man, I need to hear I that know when some I'm driving." People. My car. Oh, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you you want to hear it while you're driving your car. You know what I mean? And and now it's like on a random. It, when it comes on in my car, I'm always like, yeah, and then you just step on the gas a little bit more. <laughs> um, but no, uh, yeah, Top Gun. It's, it's it's another one of those timeless time capsule like soundtracks, but like almost every song on the soundtrack is fantastic. So awesome. Yeah. Alright. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a great soundtrack. I don't know what they did. Specifically they did re-release say, it. There were some songs when you bought the soundtrack at the time back when we used to buy CDs, kids. Um, the uh, when you bought the album back in the day, there were some songs that weren't on it. They ended up re-releasing it like a collector's edition version with the extra stuff. There was probably contractual nonsense as to why it wasn't released. Yeah, but they did eventually re-release it that way, and nice, you were able to get. It's funny, like you mentioning this. It's really because we've got Maverick coming out soon, and I'm really curious what is that soundtrack going to be like. I, that you know? has crossed my mind. I'm but what's I crazy the same thing. is like I feel like synthwave and like '80s like influence music is so popular right now too that there might be a lot of stuff that gives you like vibes from the early early movie, but also is like really modern sounding. Right. So. That's probably the best way they can do it, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, so moving on to my next to last one, pick, man. Uh, this is another one that this is actually one that I texted you specifically about, but you didn't know I was going to pick it. But I went with that thing you do. Ah, um, yes. So this is, I mean, this is a great movie. This, this is this is a in universe versus soundtrack. Film exactly. Versus. Yeah, and I mean they have some. It's it's weird because like I feel like they have some songs that are just in the background, but. 
almost all the songs in the movie are like performed by these like fictional bands that are in the movie and stuff. And the crazy thing about it, because I notice this a lot with when they have like fake bands in movies, the thing about that things you do, that thing you do is all the music in it is good. Like you can just listen to it on its own. It's like, yeah, these are a lot of really good like catchy songs. Like uh, even the part where they're filming like the uh, <laughs> they're fil they're like filming this like random teen like beach movie, and the uh, the wonders are are being uh i think the band's name is captain geach and the shrimp sh shrimp shack shooters <laughs> that's hard to say <laughs> but even like the song that they were playing and that fake movie is like actually really good and so like this is one where like the movie's great like i love the story but i just think all the songs are like really solid and i like that sort of i don't know if it's like early 60s when the movie takes place but i love that time period of music as sure. well so um, all right, so my next pick for the evening. This is, this is, this might make you laugh, but uh, it's Tommy Boy. Oh yeah, I mean this. Um, so it's funny, but there are so many good songs in there's, it. There's first off, there are songs in the on the soundtrack that I didn't catch. Like when I when I bought the soundtrack, I'm like, because I there were certain songs that I wanted just because of the movie, just because yeah. of these sequences of the movie that were just so funny and so good because they're singing along to them in the car or whatever the case is. But if you watch the movie from the beginning to end, any time they're in a car and there's a song playing, that song appears on the movie, whether they had a moment with it in the film or not, <laughs> it's in the movie. Yeah. So, um, like, and I've and I've gone back and rewatched the movie listening for the songs, and they're all in the movie. Okay. <laughs> um, so they're not just, like, embedded in the, like, end credits or anything like yeah. that. So they're all there, but... It's so funny to, like, listen to that because, like, there's certain songs that come up, like, the Spanish song that they're singing oh, yeah. is on there. Well, like, I was going to mention... And then, like, the Carpenter's song that plays where they're like, hey, you want to change it? Go ahead. Nah, I'm okay with it. And then you <laughs> yeah. see them, like, in tears, like... <laughs> yeah. Well, the the Spanish song, and I don't know the name of it, but did you... And you might not remember this, but in, in season three of Riverdale, Veronica sings that, like, at her yeah, speech. Yeah, she does. And I was like... Really? She's singing the Spanish song from Tommy, Tommy Boy? Boy? Like, what the heck is yeah, going on? Yeah, I remember that, too. Yeah. But no, those, there's just these great moments in the film, and it, and I laugh when I listen to the soundtrack because I think of the moments of the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, that's a soundtrack that I can put on and just let go. Oh, definitely. You know, yeah. like, it's so good. They've got, like, uh, the end of the world as we know it. Right, and, and, some, and, like, of the yeah, and some of the rock songs. songs at the beginning, which aren't necessarily recognizable comparison to, like, the Carpenter song or some of the other things that come mm -hmm. up, they... Um, they're still really good songs, and I could just put it on. And like, there's it probably like I'm thinking of uh, the beginning when uh, Tommy's like at a frat party. There's probably like yeah, or some classic Ex rock yeah. in the background or something. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I never thought about that like as the soundtrack as a whole, but you say it and it's like, oh yeah, there's so many good songs. Yeah, in but that this movie, is a song so. that this is, it's an album that I could just put on and let go. And like I've sat and driven to it. Like I've had long car rides. I'm like, eh, I'm gonna listen to Tommy Boy because it's a road trip. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, you know. Sweet. All right. Uh, this last one will probably catch you off guard because I don't think we've ever talked about this. But, I just uh, think it's interesting that we only matched the one. Yeah, and, and we haven't. And apparently, I would be very surprised if we matched this one. But. And I'll tell you right now, it's not my last one. But Guardians of the Galaxy did not make a list. <laughs> well, I mean, we <laughs> unless can get you're about that. to catch me off guard. No, no. Well, actually, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like I really like that music and like that movie and everything oh yeah it's by all like, means it's great but it it's just not. it was on my list it just didn't make my final pick yeah and it was it made my short list that just list. also comes with like how many times have i listened to it and stuff like that but uh yeah. uh so my final pick is uh 
uh, the Life Aquatic. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, okay. No, no, no. That's a fantastic... Caesar. Yeah, that's a great soundtrack. Um, this is a movie that I saw, and it was... I almost feel like it was a recommendation. Like, I had a teacher in high school or something who was like, oh, Peter, you should go see this movie Life Aquatic. I think you would like it. And then I saw it, and I remember the first time I watched the movie, even, I was actually really struck by the music because, uh, like, the movie opens, and there's, like, I remember they go to this, there's this big, like, ritzy party scene, and there's, like, some classical music playing, and I was like, okay, this is cool. And then that transitions into, like, uh this weird like new wave-esque like almost like craft work type music i'm like okay this is cool as well and then uh it just was like so many things about the movie i just thought the music was so interesting um this movie another thing that's weird is for some reason there's a lot of david bowie songs in it and i think like like i mean i've been aware of david bowie as a singer for so long because i watched labyrinth a lot as a kid but i think this movie when i saw it it kind of like reaffirmed my fandom of David Bowie because like there are some songs in that movie that I was like these are legitimately like really good songs and then uh one of uh Steve Zizou's uh uh crewmates is this singer called Sue Jorge who he throughout the movie is singing like acoustic guitar songs the whole time and then I, eventually when I bought the soundtrack I found out that he was singing acoustic David Bowie songs the whole time. So it's this really cool like mixture of like weird like craftworky new wave stuff as weird as well as like David Bowie and David Bowie inspired stuff and then just some other just really genuinely good songs on there. Um another cool tidbit is uh all the like musical like score style songs in this movie is done by uh Mark Mothersbaugh, who, um, he's done music for everything. Like, he did the Rugrats theme. I feel like half the, uh, old, like, 90s cartoons I watch, like, he has a credit on there. But he also was, uh, from the band Devo. So he's, like, I don't know, he's just done a lot of cool stuff. And I love the music that he put in the movie as well. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. No, I got it. That's, that's a great soundtrack. And I, that's a movie that I completely forget about sometimes, but it's a yeah. really, really good movie. And it's, it's one of those things where I don't know, like, <laughs> even why it makes my list, but it's just like, I thought the music really caught me when I saw the movie. So, uh, yeah. what's, is this your final pick we're my at right final now? final pick yeah. of the night. And that is, and I realized, not only is this my final pick of the night, I realized that this is the first CD I ever purchased, um, which I thought was really funny, but it's also kind of like, when you hear me say this, you're going to go, of course it is. Yeah. And that is the um, Prince Batman album. Oh, nice. So, yeah. uh, the Michael Keaton film, uh, the Michael Keaton, uh, Tim Burton, Batman 89 soundtrack, which was done entirely by Prince, uh, was the first album I ever purchased on CD. And then um, the soundtrack itself is just absolutely fantastic. I mean, there's great, look, there's great stuff on there, like Party Man and Trust and The Future and, like, the, the whole album. First, it's technically a Prince album, let's yeah. be real. But... At the end of the day, there's all this great music on there. But, and I'm not going to lie, I like Bat Dance. I know there's a lot of, <laughs> I know there's some scrutiny around that one song, but I always liked Bat Dance. I feel mostly like that because was just the most noticeable one in the movie. So that was the most, that was noticeable. But, but that, um, well, that Bat Dance does not actually appear in the film. Okay. Bat Dance was made for the film. They did like a music video and it was like supposed to be marketing for the movie. So, like, when you listen to the song, there's actual pieces from the movie that are put like dialogue pieces from the movie in the song okay and that maybe one, i'm not a 
familiar with bat dance then maybe i just okay. always assumed that the art museum scene i always assumed that was like bat dance that they were oh no that's to. that's trust oh okay I no got wait you. trust plays during the parade sequence party man is the okay that sounds the, right. uh, art museum so i think i just always assumed that one was bat dance but i've definitely heard like bat dance hate like out yeah, there there's but a I lot just, of maybe bat i didn't hate. know what song it it's, was look it's not the best song it's clearly like prince basically made an album for the movie and his music is very heavily heard in the movie, but yeah. they probably told him, you have to make one song with Batman stuff in it. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, you know, instead of just doing your thing, you need to do at least one song about Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. I feel like... Uh... Like he was shoehorned into do that one yeah. song, and you know. it's just kind of funny. It's a funny thing with like Batman movies, though, because like I remember Batman Forever, and I feel like Kissed by the Rose was totally like the anthem for that one, but has nothing to do with Batman at all, sort of thing. So yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe I feel like I got the title of that song wrong because you gave me a look, but no, it's it's Kiss just, from a Rose. Kiss from a Rose yeah. is from Batman Forever, and that was by Seal. And yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I okay. just felt like I got to look like. <laughs> Sorry, no. I, I think was... I said kissed by a rose. And oh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know what that looked for. Um, it's funny. So, do you want to know the first CD I ever bought? Sure. I think that's funny. Is the Batman Beyond soundtrack was actually the first hey, one I bought. That's so. that's actually a really cool soundtrack. Oh no, it's awesome, but it's just kind of a funny thing. Um, and this Batman Beyond. Um. And then Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. That's a really good soundtrack, too. But it's, like... Well, the Batman Beyond soundtrack is... It's all, like, rock music. Like, it's un, unlyric rock music. But that's all, you know... I guess that's a good way to put it. I always thought it... Because it has so much electronic elements. I always thought of it more in the electronics sphere. But, yeah, there is a lot of, like, rock tracks when I think back on it. So... Yeah. Yeah. Um... Well, that brings us... Well, how about this? Before I close this list out, there are two soundtracks I want to bring up that are really good... That okay. didn't make a list, but they made me laugh because we talked a lot of in-universe stuff. Right. Um, in the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, there's a character, Eldis Snow, who's a musician. Yeah. And two song, uh, two of the songs that he sings in the movie are on the soundtrack, performed by him. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then they made the unofficial sequel to Forgetting Sarah Marshall called Get Him to the Greek. And he... He has like all this. There's a lot of songs that you hear in the movie that are his songs. Yeah. If you get the soundtrack to get him to the Greek, all the songs on that album are his, are the Eldest Snow songs. And if you watch the movie and you look at all the innuendos that are in, that are embedded into the songs. <laughs> yeah. It's it it's such a it's a really really funny album because you know what they're really trying to say. Nice, you know, like there's a song, <laughs> like there's a song on the album called "The Clap," <laughs> which right. is called "I Give You the Clap, You Gave Me like all that stuff." Yeah. and it's really like it's innuendo to the clap as the STD. Yeah, but they're talking about clapping. <laughs> right. The lyrics can be taken as "I give you the clap, and now you're clapping," and you know what I mean. And like, yeah. kind of, you know, like I'm clapping my hands together, but it's an innuendo to the, you know, all of the songs are like that, and it's <laughs> so funny, and it's such a funny soundtrack. Um, I only wanted to bring that up because I, it makes me laugh when I listen to that. <laughs> nice. Um, 
All right, so that closes this list out for the week. What are we doing next week? Okay, so actually your whole um, Eldest Snow, like Infant Sorrow thing actually leads really well into my next pick. And this is, a, it's kind of funny, we're both, I think we're thinking about music at the same time. And this is a list that I actually honestly thought of a couple weeks ago, but I want to do our favorite fictional bands or singers next week. Oh, So wow. we're talking like anything from, like you said, Infant Sorrow to Gem and the Hologram no, Girls. I gotta, and I gotta ask. Between, like, I gotta ask. Can a can a singer be not doing their own stuff? And that's. I feel like that's okay because I'm gonna ask you about one off air. Yeah. Oh, that, that's fair. I feel <laughs> that like comes to my mind. So I feel like that's okay because I think I was gonna clarify. Like you might just really like the how about, story. Oh, how about this? Uh, Veronica from Riverdale. She's got a great voice, but. I she feel, doesn't sing her own original stuff. I feel like that's okay, but I, I feel like I want it to be somebody who actually, like, does musical performances. I don't want it to just be, she like, a character. musical performance. No, but, no, no, I agree with that one, but I don't want it to be, like, this person sings a song in a musical sort of thing. Like, I want it to be somebody who actually goes on stage and performs and, like, actually is, like, a singer or, like, a band. You so, know like, what the I mean? cast of Rent is not a good example. Exactly, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the cast of Rent. Yeah, I want it to be actual, like... So we're not we're not talking we're not talking about music. So like for example, Sex Bobomb from uh, Scott Pilgrim could be an example. Yeah, and I Elvis Snow from Forgetting Sarah Marshall could be an example. Exactly, and it, it I want it to be like it could go either way. Like you could either really like the band's music or so maybe by you, that aspect, Veronica Mars can't be no, Veronica Mars. Veronica <laughs> from uh, Riverdale can't be an example because she's a character who just happens to sing on the show. But Josie and the Pussycats no. can be because that's a band. I was going to allow Veronica because she okay. does do musical performances on the show. Okay. So okay. I, that's the only thing is I want it to be somebody who either does musical performances or records music at least. Like I don't want it to be like Gaston's like little lackey buddy who sings like yeah. the one song in the movie. So we're, we're skipping musicals is basically what you're saying unless the musical is about a band. Yeah, it just has to be like. <laughs> I think you're you're taking a simple question and making it more complicated. But, Probably. Um, it, but Look, I'm I, just excited. I'm gonna watch The Mandalorian a little bit. Um, but anyway, <laughs> it could be like somebody you really like the music of, but it also a lot of these fictional bands kind of suck. So maybe you just really like the character and the story. So I just kind of want to see what we come up with. So this could actually like this is some really cool things in my head, but this could be a difficult list to do at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Very cool. So I guess we're going to have another uh, musical slash not musical list next week. Um, so, yeah. Um, if you would, check us out at our website, top5report.com. There you'll find... Uh, links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, which is top5report at gmail.com if you want to interact with the show. Um, you, we are on uh, Stitcher, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, please subscribe to us, because if you do, you will not miss a single episode, and you can leave a review. We like the five stars, but we understand criticism, because it helps us get better, and it um, uh, shows that the words we say are important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre, and that's where I will be posting fake announcements that I am unable to log into my Disney Plus account. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, all right, everyone, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.